In today's episode, I talked to the man behind the Screw It, Just Do It podcast and the podcast agency Podpreneur, Mr. Alex Chisnell. If this is your first time here, I wish you a very, very warm welcome. I hope you enjoy this podcast. I have no doubt you're going to enjoy it. It is mind-blowingly good. It's inspirational. It's educational. And if you're into content creation in any way, I know you're going to find it of immense value. Let me know your favorite bit about it on social media, at 10Q Interview Everywhere. And don't forget to hit subscribe or follow wherever you're listening or watching to this. It would also mean the world to me, and I'm sure Alex too, if you share this episode far and wide. As I mentioned, it's a good one. And there is going to be at least one person you'll think of when listening or watching it who would benefit from also hearing it. Make sure to let them know. Final quick request from me before we get to the really good stuff. If you do find this podcast helpful and or entertaining for that matter, feel free to return the favour and help me by leaving a review or giving a rating in your podcast provider of choice. I know it's a big ask, but I would really appreciate it and it does make um, a big difference to the algorithms and all that nonsense. Anyway, enough of me rambling. Now, onto the podcast. Alex Chisnell, a very, very warm welcome to 10Q Interview. I'm very happy to have you here and I'm looking forward to seeing what we talk about. Likewise. Uh, pleasure being on and thanks for inviting me. Okay, straight into question number one. Why a podcast? How did it all come about? Um, so for me, I got into podcasting through a podcast called How I Built This by NPR, hosted by I a guy love How I Built This. You like that? Very good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, and every Monday on my commute into work, I was just waiting for it to drop just like super excited you know it was like the highlight of starting of the week for me um what, what year would that have been that would have been 2016 i reckon yeah I yeah that's when i started listening to it about then yeah really okay mm. um and it's interesting because at, at, at the time i was working with virgin startup uh richard branson's not-for-profit um which helps entrepreneurs get get funding and mentoring yeah and small business um and whilst I was there, one of the things, as I got more and more into the podcast and enjoyed it, I was like, we should be having, we should be doing our own podcast, guys. And they're like, okay, make a business case for it. So I did that, went away, um, recorded four interviews, um, first of which was, uh, in hindsight, which is quite mad, is Stephen Bartlett, which is now, you know, if I had a pan for every time anyone said Stephen Bartlett, I'd be a millionaire. Um, and I, I, Positioned that to Virgin. It took them three months to, to Virgin Startup. It took them three months to get back to me. Um, and I was just getting more and more frustrated. And then they said, right, all 24 of us in the office have approved it. And I'm like, oh, my God, Richard would literally, if he knew this is how long it took to make a decision in one of his businesses, he'd literally shoot you all. Um, and then I got, right, on Friday, this is going to go to the Virgin Group. Then it's going to go to Virgin PR, and then it's going to go to senior management. You're going to get three phone calls, three phone calls to get it signed off as a podcast. Um, First phone call was a yes. Second phone call was a yes. And then the last phone call was like, we we love it. We love the idea. Unfortunately, um, we could do this, but you need to re-record all the four interviews. Who who was the third phone call? It was like senior management, as high as right. you could go at Virgin. Virgin Group was like Virgin, Virgin Startup, Virgin Group, Virgin PR, senior management, Virgin, okay. Virgin Group, and um, and it was like we really like it, but we're thinking of doing a podcast with exactly the same setup, um, the same concept. So could you re-record, um, kind of come up with a different concept, re-record all four interviews, um, and then come back to us? And I'm just like. Got and love, for a split got second, got to love the corporate world, haven't you? Exactly, and it's like Virgin just became the same as BA. You know, the same yeah. processes. It's like trying to turn a ten-ton tanker around in the sea. You know, um, and, and for a split second, I, I actually did think, "Shall I do what they've asked me to do?" Because to have the Virgin name behind me as the yeah. host would be amazing. And some of the guests I was able to get for my own show at that time, leveraging a Virgin email the likes of a Lewis house or something like that was pretty powerful. Having conversations with like a Gary V and people like that, who I didn't get on the show and Tim Ferriss, but having those conversations, you're like, this is pretty powerful, but I dismissed it instantly. Um, and was like, if if this is what it takes to get a decision, 
then this is just going to be an absolute ball like in him. It's only going to get worse from there, isn't it? It's not. It's never going to get better. And it and it did. You know, even working with them, um, and I'm you know forever grateful for my time there. Really enjoyed it. But even to the extent of on Boxing Day, somebody sending me a text message saying, "Can you change the red branding?" <laughs> on the tweet you've put out because it conflicts with a red virgin and i'm just like you're looking at my social media on boxing day really yeah yeah, really so can i can i ask i just want to go back a couple of steps there because you're an interesting person in the sense of what you just said because i don't think and i'm racking my brains now i've had anyone who has attempted to launch a podcast from a truly business perspective okay and if I have missed someone of a previous guest who's like, what the hell are you talking about? I apologize. <laughs> but the reason I'm, I'm curious about it, because I, I'm a huge fan of content marketing. I, I think that any business in the world needs it and should be doing it. And there are many that are doing it, but doing it very, very badly. I'm really curious about what you said about the business case. You said you had to put a business case to Virgin Startups. And if, if you're... If you if you don't mind, could we just dig into that? Because I'm curious what that looks like. Because I think there's lots of people out there who are probably thinking exactly the same thing as you. I wish my business would start a podcast, a YouTube channel, yeah. or whatever it might be. But as you said, the senior managers up there who maybe just don't get it are being that barrier. I think it'd be really valuable to talk about that. Yeah, and, and it's interesting because, as I say, that conversation, uh, Chris, was back in 2016 and I, I launched my podcast in 2017. Sorry, the conversation was 2017 because I recorded the interviews in the January and then I launched it in the end in May of that year. Right. But that was seven years ago. They finally launched their own podcast, I think, this year. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, talk about, and you'll know this, obviously, yeah. how far podcasts have moved in that time you know and if you'd started back then how much bigger your audience would be I, all I, those I, kinds of I things i think i think about that a lot i really do yeah likewise mm. um but yeah basically the what the brief was you know we're virgin startup we're not for profit we don't have any money we don't have any resources so if you could put a business case together where this is basically not going to cost us anything <laughs> and we don't have any involvement <laughs> in it it's hilarious because you look back and you just go but it's so powerful. And if you're doing webinars and you're doing live events, you've got the content there. Like doing, they're doing like live events that I then turned into my own live podcast shows yeah. that is all the rage now that you, you, you see people doing. And it's like, all you need to do is recorded that and we can put it out as a podcast, guys. And, mm. you know, as you'll know, repurpose it. Repurpose yeah. that live. You're getting amazing speakers there through the network you've got at Virgin. All we need to do is record that doesn't cost the earth edit produce put it out i mean it's probably a stupid question but how much do you think that conversation would have changed if you'd had it this week with the virgin people yeah i i i, I think that's a really good question actually and i'd like to think that they've been more receptive and they would be far quicker uh, when it comes to decision making, well, I know they would because I know the person who's now in charge was right. the person who actually hired me at the time, um, and he's now risen up the ranks and is like the MD at Virgin Startup, and he gets it. You know, yeah. But at the time, the person—that's the key, isn't it? Getting it. it. It's getting it, and it's getting the right person, getting that yeah. that decision maker ultimately, isn't it? You know, for yeah. anything in in life that you want, you want to get done and get done quickly. It's just funny that the corporate cliche is a cliche and it just, you know, it doesn't matter, it seems to matter who you speak to or what business they've worked in. That sign-off process and the, and the lengthiness of it, it's just always the same. I've worked in businesses where it's like that. Right. And you just feel like, I mean, they missed the boat, didn't they? Totally. Seven years. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And I, I always used to like to think, because I worked at Virgin Atlantic, for many years, which is my introduction to the Virgin Group. And I like to think, because I joined back in the day where it was a really small airline mm. with a handful of planes and stuff, that because it was small, because it was dynamic, because Richard was really involved in the business at that time, stuff got done really, really quickly and it was really innovative. Yeah. And that all seems to have got 
lost over the last couple of decades. So I was just like really surprised and disappointed, I think, at the time that they were just like British Airways. They were just, you know, cut from the same cloth. It was just the same, same vanilla, same vanilla. I could, I, Alex, I could have multiple conversations with you about similar stories, which I probably <laughs> shouldn't because I get sued, but we'll move it swiftly back. So your your new, your podcast currently is, is, is kind of come out of the ashes of the Virgin one. Yeah, that was literally it. The first four, I was just like, well, if you're not going to back it, screw it, just do it. I'm going to do it myself. So that's where I got the name from and kept those first four interviews. Uh, took me a couple of months, like it probably, well, I know it takes a lot of people um, to actually get it live. And that yeah. was more me and my own head going, well, who's going to listen to this? Who's going to like my voice? Um, mm. Is anyone going to like my voice? All that, you know, chatter, monkey mind. Um, so it took me ultimately five months from first interview to to getting it live. But that, that became my own podcast. And I've never regretted that for one instant. Not no. one. That's good. Do you know, it's funny. No one does, actually, I think. <laughs> Everyone I've spoken to has had that initial hurdle, as I have, as you have. But no one, once you get over it, assuming you don't fizzle out after three episodes, like many do, but... The ones that don't always seem to have this real, oh my God, I'm glad I just did it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's strange that you can't bottle up that thing. No, and, and, and it, it probably tells its own story. Um, I put out a LinkedIn post recently that I've done a bit of research on, and it was 25% of podcasts only release a show trailer. And I was like gobsmacked. They don't even release episode one. It's just a Is show trailer. Right? And 46% of podcasts don't get beyond episode 10. And I thought, how much of that is a result of the pandemic and everybody thinking, I'm at home, Mm -hmm. I'm bored, um, let's start a podcast. And then they realize, as, as both of us all know, it is actually... A challenging thing to do. It's it's a yeah. time consuming thing. It takes time. It takes energy. It takes a few yeah. pounds. Um, and yes, everyone can start it under their own steam, but you've got to be committed. Like anything in life, isn't it? You've, you've got to be committed to do it. It is exactly that. It's like anything in life. And I think people. I have a slightly different view. I think people read the headlines of Joe Rogan, etc., getting hundred million dollar deals yep. on Spotify, and think, how hard can it be? Yeah you know, the base level, you can just get your phone and chat into it. I mean, that's how Bartlett started, as you'll know, from interviewing him in the early days. Yeah. And I think people's expectations of how challenging it is are just totally out of kilter. And then when they're not getting virality after three or four episodes, they're like, oh, screw this. <laughs> I agreed. And, and I literally think it's that if, if they suddenly don't see, yeah, 10,000 subscribers after a couple of weeks, it's like, yeah. oh, wow. Well. What's that all about then? Okay, yeah. I'll try something else. I'll try launch a YouTube channel or whatever it might be. Yeah. <laughs> Which is even challenging. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. tell me about, so a lot of your stuff's interview stuff. Yes? Yeah. I, I'm i going to ask, I mean, <clears throat> I, I've, I've spoke to different interviewers on this podcast and obviously I, I am an interviewer myself. And what's interesting to me is everyone has a slightly different style. I'm curious for the people listening or watching this is how do you brainstorm or research or ideate what you're going to chat to your guests about? Yeah, so it's changed. Um, so I we're relaunching my podcast this this autumn, um, and yeah, because you stopped it, you stopped quite recently, didn't you? First break uh, in uh, nearly seven years. Yeah, yeah. Took took the summer off for the first time. I, I basically had one of those light bulb moments when I attended the podcast show back in May and it was a talk by the teams behind two very successful podcasts my favorite podcast now which is the high performance podcast yeah and Fern Cotton's happy place podcast and it was okay. the CEOs and the producers of those shows and it just I th- I thought you know I was taking it seriously and spending a lot of time and have been successful but hearing what they were doing with their podcast, me and Georgie, who's like, um, 
who's my producer now, who was, who was, who was uh, head of community at my podcast agency. We literally looked at each other within the first 60 seconds of that talk. And she just went, are you thinking what I'm thinking? And I was like, I think I'm thinking exactly what you're thinking. And it was like, okay, let's take a break. Let's recalibrate. Let's come back. Um, better prepared with with better content, better organization, better processes. Um, and let's go for it. And It's funny yeah. you say that. I, I, I had a guest on here on Tuesday and we... Th- discussed similar angle i mean one of the questions later on is about um standing out and weirdly he mentioned a similar thing to you really about how essentially you got your level of podcast right where it's either it's like a hobby or a side hustle and it's you know you fit it in an hour here an hour there and and whatever and what he and i were discussing was how do you take to that next level And to do so, you have to essentially treat it like a business. Correct. How If you were going to go and start something tomorrow, what would you do? You'd have investment, you'd have time, you'd have a team. Yeah. And that's not to say you can't start from one person at all, but it's getting to that stage now where if you really want to grow, the things need to change a little. Like the, as you said earlier, seven years ago, it was very different. You know, the organic reach on social media was very different. The the landscape of social media was very different. Mm. Trying to grow now organically just is is very, very challenging. Yeah. But then agree. but then the production values of everything are so much better. High performance, great example. Yeah. It's a media company. It's not it, a podcast anymore. Correct. And the and the same with Stephen and, and as a guest I had in a week ago, two weeks ago, um, who's who knows Stephen very well is like in an in, inner group of entrepreneurs, you know, brainstorm stuff with each other all the time. Um, mm. He was saying to me, look, Stephen's got an unfair advantage now. He's just spent a million pounds on three studios. So he's a studio in London, New York, LA, and they all look the same, the same chair, the same desk. You yep. don't know where he's filming it. And again, I don't know if he pays guests because that was a conversation, um, Rob Moore, was having with a friend of mine, uh, Dodge Woodall, on his podcast, Eventful Lives, and Rob was saying how much he'd like paid to get Logan Paul on his podcast, and he'd flown out to Dubai to record a podcast with Andrew Tate, and all these kinds of things. So there's there's levels to go yeah. up, but again, I know, you know, Rob Moore has a team who looks after his podcast, and for me, it was that realization that, you know, I've got a podcast agency, but whereas my podcast, when I was doing it myself, was my favorite thing and still is my favorite thing. And I was treating it as my favorite thing because we look after other podcasts in the agency. Mine had basically became (laughs) the bottom priority. And I was like, we're looking at this wrong guys. Like if we want to attract more clients into the agency, surely my podcast needs to be the the best. Yeah. Yeah. The production values need to be off the charts because it's only going to attract more people who want, I want that because all we get now is, and you have to manage people's expectations, of course. We'll, we'll get people go, I want Dara of a CEO. And you're like, okay, so Stephen has a team of 30. They're currently recruiting for more. I have no idea what 20 of those people actually do in the team because yeah. High Performance and Happy Place have both got teams of between 8 and 12 working on them. And you can see what each person's role is, and it's pretty straightforward. Yeah. And I'm lucky to have my team um, that can look after my podcast, and we've we've definitely had that conversation. We've we've shifted the parameters. This needs to be the priority, and I've made switch Georgie from the agency to my podcast and go. Okay, you're now the producer. You're in charge. Let's go with it. You know, mm. I'll, I'll record it. So to go back to your question, of how we prepare, I used to spend maybe forty five minutes to sixty minutes myself searching online, looking at their social yeah. media, that kind of stuff. Now. Um, we have a process where one of the team will come up with a biography um, of that person with all of the links to go and read their articles, listen to their podcasts that they've been on. Then Georgie will spend, she's saying, three hours on putting that script together because we now have a process for the podcast where there are like four pillars that we walk somebody through for each interview because we're asking the question, how do you get to where you want to be in life? Right. And it's asking people who've, you know, come from somewhere to somewhere else, um, which we deem to be successful, be that in business or sports or in music, etc. And it and it's literally going. So, you know, what was the goal setting out? 
um, what were the challenges you overcame? What were the what were the actions that you took, and, and what were the lessons learned that you can pass on? So yeah. we know there's a flow, so we can kind of break it down. And, and it's not a word by word script because I tried that when I started, and that doesn't work for me. It no. Might work for other people. I'd I'd rather just have some bullet points, like I say, some pillars that I can kind of walk somebody through a, a process, and hopefully. I'll get comfortable with that and, and the guests will know that there's a process to it as well. I'm, I'm going to go a little bit off script here because what you're saying fascinates me. I'm going to take a big gamble that if it fascinates me, it's going to fascinate a lot of other people who are uh, looking at podcasts. And I think actually nice. for content in general, it probably it probably translates. But I'm assuming with that decision you've made comes a, a financial implication, right? That's not just a... yeah. I know I'm going to shoot in 4K as opposed to 1080 or whatever. That's that's a that's a thing. Like, how are you thinking about that from a from a financial aspect? Yeah, and you're you're, you're right. There there is a cost to that. So we've now gone. Uh, all the episodes are being recorded in person, um, and before I had a mix, you know, um, and especially pre and post COVID. So now that yeah, there is a cost. We're either um, recording in person. And that breaks down to two different options. So that is in a studio, yeah, which comes with a cost. So we are recording in the same studio as the High Performance Podcasts. Uh, Rich Roll just recorded there last week as well. Is this so the one in London? Is it? It's not in Tower Forty Two or one of the one of the skyscrapers. Uh, no, it's called Tile Yard, and okay. it's, uh, it's a friend of mine is the co-founder, and it's it's an amazing business. It, it's like a university campus when you go there, and you've got um lots of businesses there so you lots of businesses and then lots of recording studios see like noel gallagher's got his own studio there the prodigy the chemical brothers all these people amazon music got their own apple music sorry got their own studios and they have their own um content recording studios there so i've been using that but also i had and it was from a guest who said to me when you said to me and it was uh, jay morton from SAS Who Does Wind show. And he said to me, when you offered to come and film at my house or at my work, he yeah. goes, that made it an easy decision to say yes. Because the amount of podcasts that I've cancelled or rescheduled because something comes up and it's the easiest thing to kind of bin. Yeah. And I was like, I get that. So I've now been up to Wales to record like with the Athertons who are like mountain biking world champions, brothers and sisters, yeah, yeah, really yeah, good story. That. So there comes a cost with that. So I'd take a videographer uh, with me for that. Um, we'll go to the studio in London. I went to the studio in, in Leeds um, to record with someone who couldn't get to London. Um, and now I've got somebody full-time working on, on the podcast. I say full-time, part-time. Um, and then I've got my team who again, you know, are looking after my podcast. So, you know, graphic designer, video editor, um, audio editor, social media coordinator, et cetera, et cetera. So yes. And and the person I interviewed who was friends with Stephen Bartlett said to me, he's just made exactly the same same decision as me um, to go all in and take it seriously and to go launch a YouTube channel, etc. And he was he just emailed me last week um, before he's gone to a festival saying, what cost are you allocating this? What is your what are you budgeting? Because <clears throat> Stephen's got an unfair advantage. He's just spent a million pounds yeah. you know getting three studios and putting his team together. So yeah. Um and I and I, I haven't figured it out yet. I'm I'm working through it this week, but it, it's definitely at least a couple of thousand pounds a month to do that, if not possibly double that. Okay, so are you seeing this as an investment for your business or are you seeing it as a business in its own right? Great question. That's a great question, Chris. Um, I'm seeing it as a business in its own right. Yeah. Okay. And I, and I think, you know, going back to some of your previous points about people starting up and that's the beauty, yeah? The barrier to yeah. entry is really low. You can, you yeah. can literally, you could, I wouldn't recommend it, but you could literally record something on your phone just go jump on a zoom call record a conversation that's how we all started um but for me in th- this period of reflection i had and, and the the light bulb moments at the podcast show in london for me they were like okay 
this is my most favorite thing in the world. I love meeting really interesting people, having yeah. really interesting conversations, and then sharing that. You know, the reason I started the podcast was because I wanted to have conversations with people that I normally wouldn't be able to get in a room with, like a Stephen yes. Bartlett, like a Lord Billamoria from Cobra Beer, like a Piers Linney from Dragon's Den, whoever. And that period of reflection, I've just gone, do you know what? I want to do more of that. I want to do more of that. Um, so for me, it's like, okay. And I've had sponsors um, with the podcast. We've got sponsors lined up. We launched a podcast, relaunched a podcast in October. Got some really interesting conversations with potential sponsors. But that's just one income stream yep. that we're looking at. And a friend of mine who just started, again, 18 months ago, is now getting monthly checks of five figures from from youtube because he's he's gone about it one 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 member of staff so one person full-time on his podcast but treated it as a business yep. and is doing exceptionally well at it what do you think <clears throat> excuse me what do you think high performance is pulling in money wise Oh, wow. I don't know. Again, that's a, that's a good question. And, and I haven't... Um... I, I ask it because I think it's it's funny in the content world is a lot of people say about, you know, building audience. No one really talks about the money. Mm, correct. Yet, to have a team of 10 people, take everything else out of the equation, to have a team of 10, I think you said 10 people for high performance, but yeah. to have that team... And there's probably some quite senior people in there. Mm. The, the wage bill of that alone is going to be pretty punchy. It is. it is. And the reason I bring it up is because I think people, there's a, I think people fall into two camps when it comes to content. There's the people who don't get it, the the older generation maybe, or the people at Virgin senior management level. Yeah. And then there's the younger generation. And I think the younger gen, and I'm being really generalistic here, but I think the the younger generation who've grown up with YouTube and podcasts do get it. But I think there is some serious money to be made. And there's obviously, that's the case of, you know, it's like professional sports, right? Not everyone is going to be earning the Joe Rogan money. Yeah. Or the high performance or Bartlett or whatever. But I think there is money to be made. And I don't think people necessarily comprehend that. No, and it's, you know, it's now... Just the advertising alone, I think it, it was last year or the year before, but it became a billion-dollar industry now, you know, yeah. advertising on podcasts. And you just think, um, it, it, you look at all of the stats when it comes to, like, advertising on podcasts, and the stats outrank any other form of content for people actually actively, you know, clicking on that link, uh, yeah. going to check out that business, checking out those products. So. I think you're right. And also the proliferation of platforms where content creators can can monetize um, yeah. through subscriptions has gone astronomical since since lockdown. There's not just Patreon anymore. There's 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 Podia, there's um, there's OnlyFans, there's all sorts of things that, that people can monetize their their content, um, however dubious some of it might be. Um, but I saw I saw a stat yesterday that the OnlyFans founder earned a million pound, million pounds a day in bonuses last year. <laughs> no way, really. Yeah. I've reached yeah. out to him before to get him on, and um, he's like taking a back seat now. And for all female senior management, you know, yeah. clever ploy. Um, but yeah, that's an interesting one. And you, when I've when I've looked, I have looked at like their business model. And when you see like their probably biggest earner is, or one of the biggest revenue streams is going into other businesses and teaching them how to build a high performance big business. Yeah. Um, that's got to come at a significant cost. Um, and then you've obviously got their sponsorship. They've got live events. You know, they've got multiple streams of, of, of income. The book, mm -hmm. they've just released, got pre-order for another book now. So, yeah, that's the way. And the same, same as Stephen, like you say, people have just treated it as a business and there's multiple streams of income. Well, you, I mean, you've got a podcast agency. Are you seeing a change in... The, the kind of clients who are coming to you or the conversations that you're having with clients with regards to what they want or what their expectations are? Yeah, really good question again. Uh, definitely massive change in, I would say, two years. Uh, everyone now is, is saying, I want a podcast like Dive as CEO. Yeah. And you're like, okay. And then you kind of break down the, you know, the costs and you, you know, you, nine... Sorry, are you dealing with people or companies? 
Uh, so both. Okay. Both. So, um, yeah, so companies like, you know, like a grenade we've helped before, um, you know, organizations mainly in the UK, but equally got clients like US, Singapore, places like that. Um, and then there are a lot of people who are, say, coaches or thought leaders who want to position themselves through having a podcast. Mm. And also the biggest change, I would say, has been the fact that two years ago, every podcast we had was audio only. Okay. Now, every single podcast is video and audio. Yeah. And they're all asking for high end. But again, when you break down the cost, nine out of 10 of them, eight out of 10 of them will go, let's start online and see how it goes. Because, and again, that whole thing of like, actually the people we want to, when you, you know, break down the conversations and you really get into it, it's like, okay, so our team is virtual now to get everybody in a studio in London and the guests we want to get are scattered around the world. I'm like, well, that's the beauty of having an online podcast Yeah, is the reach that you can get. Yeah. So the higher end production comes at a cost and it's a time cost as much as um, a monetary cost for a lot of, especially with those organizations that you're speaking to because they'll want the host to be the founder, the CEO or the, the MD and they're usually the busiest some of the busiest people in that business so it's it's trying to get them in the studio that's the the hard thing so i mean they've also got to have a personality i mean you talked about grenade alan who's the founder of grenade i mean he's a great personality correct i can imagine he's a great um host presenter yeah but it's just it interests me that they they still when you get to big company level it's like oh okay we'll dial it back and that expectation thing still seems a bit out of kilter, just on a on a grander scale, I guess, as to some someone setting up in their bedroom. Yeah, literally having that conversation yesterday with someone, and their revenues five million uh, a month, and um, you know, big, big business, thousands of employees, and it was dialed back yet yeah, really quickly. And we're not expensive, you know. We're beauty again. My team, we're all we're all virtuals through what happened during the pandemic instead of all being in the office in, in Bournemouth, which you were pre pandemic. Mm. We're now in multiple countries. Um, so it means our overheads aren't as big as, as other agencies who are, who are based in London and in, in, in their own offices, etc. But yeah. And, and the, you know, the studio costs, but then, you know, you add in you, the biggest one for me is that if you decide to go, you know, all in and you go, let's go studio, let's go videographer, let's go YouTube. Um, it's the time, you know, having one camera angle compared to three camera angles, trying to yeah. edit those yeah, yeah. is where the time equals the cost. Yeah. Preaching to the choir there, Alex, let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> I, know. What, I mean, what do these businesses want? I know you said they want to be diary of CEO. Is it just the numbers? Is it, is that all they want? Is it, is that their prime goal they go right i want a million followers million viewers listeners whatever uh ultimately they all want to convert uh the listeners into paying customers yeah that's what they ultimately want as much as they will start the conversation with we want to build brand awareness ultimately and i i think everybody should at least recoup their costs with a podcast, you know, you know, whether it's a side hustle or a hobby, I think everybody should at least be breaking even for that. And then, as you say, there's that other level if you want to treat it as a as a business. And yeah, for a lot of the branded podcasts we do, yes, it's it's brand awareness. Yes, it's positioning the host as a as a thought leader in their space. Quite often, yeah. still, it's their the first or even the second to market in their industry with a podcast still in the UK at least, probably not in America. Mm. Um, so there is the opportunity to really amplify their message. But, you know, you'll know this again, podcasts are great community building tools, but it doesn't happen overnight. You've got to be patient. So for me, like where most people think I'm going to monetize my podcast through sponsorship, for me, when I'm talking to these organizations, it's like actually what you should be doing is is building that community yeah. Sending your existing audience to listen to your podcast if they listen or watch podcasts, yeah. and then attracting more of those like-minded people who really enjoy the content you're creating. And you, it, in, it's not an overly salesy message, but you're getting them familiar with the products and the services 
that you offer so that ultimately you convert them into customers. But it, you've got to be in it for the long game. You, I, I, I'm laughing there because does it frustrate you? Because what you just said to me, I, me and you are very much cut from the same cloth on our thought process there. Seems like, yeah. And I laugh him because it frustrates me how few people get that. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, uh, you know, even a conversation last week, I had to, which I hate having these conversations, but I had to, and the guy had brought three people into the meeting, you know, from his team to have the conversation. And um, I had to explain the benefits of having a podcast. Whereas mm. the conversation I had previously, they'd done their research, they wanted a podcast, they just wanted clarification on how do you market a podcast, for example, how do you position it so that it ranks highly in organic search? Really intelligent questions. Whereas yeah. these other guys, I was like, oh my God, don't tell me in 2023, I have to tell you why it's beneficial <laughs> to have a podcast, you know? Um, so it, yeah, it massively frustrates me. And but I used to have those conversations. I used to have those conversations every single day pre-pandemic, and now it's really rare that I do, to be honest with you. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to take it back to the questions a little bit, and I'm going to ask you about analysis. And maybe this, you can answer this how you like, whether it's from your own podcast, whether it's from how clients look at it. But do you do much in the way of analysis on your on your podcast? How it's performed yeah so every every client and then we realized we weren't doing it for my podcast which tells its own story um, <laughs> it's like it's like the builder who has like who builds amazing houses but his own house is falling apart a little bit and doesn't do it <laughs> yeah yeah who never does the loft extension and mm. um yeah everything's falling to pieces the wiring's hanging out yeah no good analogy um but yeah every client that we have will you know will get a um a deck at the end of every month you know with the stats for that month and it will be you know it will show the growth it will break it down by platform it will break it down by what are the most popular episodes you know how many reviews you've got that month we'll offer different tips and we'll break it down audio and video will um for, for me like a key metric would be um what percentage of your podcast are your listeners listening to like when is the drop off yeah and anything that hits around 75 percent is very very good very very good yeah. you know um so yeah we we do we, we we break that right down and we provide um suggestions on what they could be doing to improve that podcast have all the chart positions for the different countries all that kind of stuff um and then i'll always check in on a quarterly basis with them and Usually that conversation now is going, okay, so we want to launch a YouTube channel. What do we need to do to mm. dive a CEO? <laughs> and then it's expectations, you know. Yeah. Okay, so that leads me on nicely to the next question then. What is the best way to stand out when creating a podcast or YouTube channel, I guess, for that matter? Yeah, another good question. And it's, and it's becoming more and more difficult of course because of the proliferation of podcasts but i think mm. if you bear in mind those stats that i mentioned earlier um you know that's nearly 50 percent of people don't get beyond episode 10 then why wouldn't you fancy your chances and i know i would even launching a brand new podcast today um i, I still even though i'm relaunching mine you know um i would still fancy my chances doing it so i think to stand out you, you've really you've really got to be original. Um, for me, you've got to be niche of niche, if that makes sense. So yeah. classic mistake I would see, for example, would be somebody, a brand launching a podcast under the business category. And you're like, that is one of the most popular <laughs> categories out there. You're not going to get your, your head above the parapet to get seen or heard. Mm. Um, so you know, if you're going to do a business podcast, um, you should be you should be drilling down into that a specific type of business podcast that you're going to do, and drill down another level below that. So, if you're going to be doing, let's it's going to be about um, let's say you're going to do a podcast in the business space. Okay, let's do it about businesses in the sporting space. Okay, let's do it for businesses in the football space. You know, just drop mm. down through a couple of levels. Um, 
but you know get inspiration again get inspiration from what other people are doing um and just position it in a different way you've got to be you've got to be original um i think you've got to be super organized if you want to stand out um because that's that that people don't get beyond episode 10 um for me it's 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 getting super organized with with our clients so you know batching tasks um so for me again when we relaunch mine i'm probably gonna have three months of content already in the bag so that i don't can I, can I ask you about? Episodes. Can I ask you about yours? Mm-hmm. Have you got to the stage now where you've got out of that niche, or as part of this rebranding exercise, been to go? I think Georgie, <clears throat> you said her name was, as you said, Alex Wright. What's the niche? The niche? Niche of your podcast? Yeah, absolutely. So, and we've come up with you know, whereas before it was just an entrepreneurship podcast, a business podcast. Yeah. Um, we've now, you know, got different pillars, and guests will have to, to have to hit at least two of those pillars to come come on the show. So, for example, okay. it's uh, it's entrepreneurship, um, it's um, it's wellness. So it's like you know, uh, physical optimization. Um, it's adventure. It's travel, um, and ultimately, like I said earlier, it's that question of how do you get to where you want to be. So it's it is you know, self-help, helping okay. people, personal development space. Um, it's a lot more, it means a lot more to me now. I know where it's going. Whereas I think, you know, and, and it's going to happen whether whether it's a business or a podcast in a, in a six and a half, seven year journey, you, you're going to kind mm. of lose your way at, at, at different times and you kind of lose what you're actually trying to achieve from it. And as we know, it's never a straight line from, from A to B. It's going to be a zig and a zag, but I now know, you know, and I'm super excited about the topics that I've been talking about with, with yeah. my guests in the last couple of months that we're getting the content ready. So, yeah, I'm, I'm super clear on, you know, what message we're trying to get to our audience, how we're trying to help people ultimately. That's what we're trying to do on the podcast now. Whereas before, I definitely got bored of just talking to successful business people about yeah. um, how they built their business. Definitely lost my way on that. I was similar. I was very generic for the first 50 odd, no, I don't know, 45 odd episodes of mine. And I loved it from my own right. I thought it was great because I was chatting to a totally eclectic mix of random people. But actually trying to grow the podcast as a result was just impossible because you get someone come in one week as an entrepreneur, then next week it was um, a female podcaster, and then next week it was a, a young so and so. And then when I then niche down into creators and I'm actually thinking of niching again, but it's a story for another day, but um, I found that it's been a lot different and my numbers have grown unsurprisingly. I know it's Mm. the advice I'd give to somebody. It's strange to be taking your own advice. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And also it's got to be something that excites you. Yeah. You know, for me, it definitely lost that mojo and was just going through the motions of it. And you can tell that with you know, as Georgie said to me and my team, she's like, look, if, if you're not enthused about who you're speaking to, your yeah, audience are going to pick up that straight away. But you know what I think, though, when you're starting out, I think I do agree with you, by the way, on the niche of the niche of the niche. But I also, to counter that, I would say when you start out, sometimes it's good not to worry about that so much and just throw some stuff out there and see if, see if I don't know, see if you find out what you, to try and see what you think works or what you like talking about. Hundred percent, and and a, and a yeah. good example of that was when we we helped Grenade launch their podcast, and Al Barrett recorded six different episodes. They're very data driven, given that they're mm. well, say protein business, but now chocolate bar business ultimately. Yeah. Um, and it was like, let's see what works. Um, and and it was interesting that the one that resonated the most to me was also the one that was most popular with the listeners. And okay. it was him, instead of like, there's an episode, for example, like influencer marketing bit. And it was like James Haskell and Chloe Madley, his wife, talking about being influencers in that space. Another episode, Al telling the grenade story. Yeah. Um, another episode, Al mentoring um, a boyfriend and girlfriend who'd started their own business in the sports nutrition space. That was the most interesting because it brought Alan's awesome. personality into it. And he was able to you know offer 
advice, listen to them. Um, and that was far more fascinating, I think, than just going down the kind of maybe what the obvious route was at the time. How, how, how much easier is it working with someone like him as a client? Um, I love working with somebody like that because they're super enthusiastic. They get passion, shit done. The passion just shines through, doesn't massively, it? Massively, massively. Yeah. Um, and it's funny, like we, the last podcast I recorded with him and he, and he said to me, just sold to Montelis who own Cadbury's and yeah, everything yeah, yeah. for like, I think it was 200 odd million at the time. And he said, I'll, I'll only, and it's very nice, you know, we've developed a friendship from it, as you'll know from some of your guests. And he was like, I'll only go on your podcast or Rob Moore's podcast. Um, came on my podcast and um, we talked for an hour and it was brilliant conversation. We then carried on talking for an hour and he's literally like showing me photos on his phone of him with Richard Branson and Necker Island, and, you know, <laughs> both of them like naked, messing around, being complete clowns. And at the end of that, he was just like that. Did you record that? And I was like, no, we finished recording. I was like, damn, that's really, that's even better than the oh, podcast man. we just recorded. And I was Isn't like, that always the way though? But also, as I said to him, Al, you'd never be able to put <laughs> this out live no. because you'd be sued left, right and centre from all the people we've just been talking about, sharing photos of. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I've been there. Even like before you start record, after you hit re- stop record, you think, oh, some of that would be gold. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. Um, We've talked a lot about the positives of podcasting and obviously you and I are both fans of the medium and, and, and we love it. What's something you struggle with when it comes to podcasting? Have you ever, I mean, and as a side to that, you stopped doing yours mm. in, did you say May, April, May? I can't remember what you said. Yeah, May, I think. Yeah. Um, a, have you ever thought about packing it in entirely? And B, when you packed it in or when you stopped in May, did you ever think that actually it might not get going again? Mm, good second part. Um, I've definitely considered chucking it in before, but I would say that was in the first couple of years when you just okay. see your numbers flatlining. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I saw that there was a really good graph shared by uh, the manager of Stephen's podcast on LinkedIn, and it showed flatline for two years and then a bump last year and then it's only january of 2023 that his podcast has gone boom Is and that that's right? clearly okay. he's invested spent sixty five thousand pounds a month on paid ads this guy told me as well who knows you know it's a lot of money mm. so yes I've, I've definitely questioned that but i always remember interviewing chris ducker um who has a very successful podcast um and him telling me, and he was maybe five years ahead of me. He's been podcasting for over 10 years. And him saying to me, I've every year I think about chucking it in. And then I'm so glad that I don't. And at the time, I was thinking, Really? Why would you want to check your podcast in? But then we all have had those moments. Um, yeah. It just becomes a slog and you're not, you're not seeing the return um, for the effort that you're putting in. So I've definitely felt that. Um, but I think it just brings it back to, again, when you break it down, what do you actually enjoy doing? I love meeting new people. I love having really interesting conversations and just hitting mm. the record button. Okay, so just keep doing that. Um, you know, it's that 10,000 hours thing again, isn't it? You know, and for me, I, I didn't see a result until 2019. And I was doing my roadmap for the year. I kind of break it down into six categories in my life that I want to set goals. And I was like... I want to get this podcast to number one in the UK and I'm going to do that in the next 12 months. And I did that within six months and it was with uh, Julian Hearn from Huel and then it was with James Haskell that got to number one as well. And that to me just showed me the power again of goal setting, you know, manifesting, you know, taking the action to make that happen. Mm. Um, So I've definitely had those, had those moments, but no, I didn't think that, when I've just paused and taken the summer off from this, it was all literally within six days of stopping. And it was just the day before I'd normally release an episode. I was literally just like itching because I had all this knowledge <laughs> from the podcast show as well. And sometimes maybe you, you need to immerse yourself in 
you know remind yourself why you're doing it and whatever yeah. industry you are you're in in life you need, literally just need to go and surround yourself with those kind of people who are super positive soak up that information and we obviously missed all that for a couple of years during the pandemic but yeah it was really life affirming to me and podcast affirming if that's a phrase um well, so like, i guess take taking the break means you can step back from it and actually 100%. Have, have a better view right i mean i'm sure you like me putting them out every week i don't want to use the word slog because that's not quite right but it's just a constant thing mm. until you i in all so i took august off right and I, and I put out montage episodes every week so it kept going through but yeah. i didn't really do a lot like you taking that step back, I'm I had so many realizations last month or this month. I was like, oh my god, that you just wouldn't have once you're once you're on that. Uh, no, the ha- I got this hamster, hamster wheel, wheel, isn't it? It is a yeah. hamster wheel, hundred percent. Mm. Content creators hamster wheel. <laughs> yeah. Um, I was going to ask a question then. I can't remember what else. If you could shadow one podcaster for the day, who would it be and why? Yeah. That's a good question. I saw that. I saw that. And I thought, I'm, I'm not going to go the obvious route and say um, Stephen Bartler or, or Joe or, Rogan. Th- or maybe content creator in general. It doesn't have to be a podcaster. Yeah. Um, I think podcast-wise, it, it would be my favorite podcast, High Performance. I would shadow Jake and Damien. And I'm speaking to Damien about coming on my show, actually. So there might be a little bit of shadowing there. But um, just because it's become my favorite and because they've treated it, because I had that light bulb moment listening to their CEO and their producer talking about it, I mm. think I would I would love to dig in a little bit more about the stuff we were talking about earlier, about treating it as a business, um, seeing what their roadmap looks like. And I know, you know, Jake Humphreys has this ridiculously successful agency himself. Yeah. yeah, um, yeah. Like a thousand members of staff, I think it's. It's huge. What's it called? Whisper? No, not Whisper. Can't think now. Yeah, no, it is, isn't it? Something like that. Yeah, Yeah, I think it is. So, yeah, I think it. I think it would be. um, Or you, you know, you could pick the most pot. You could pick someone like Mr. Beast, couldn't you? And again, just see how he's, um, you know, turned that into an unbelievable business where he's now Mm. got hamburgers and and all all the rest of it. Um, But yeah, I think high performance, just because I'm I'm super dialed in on the podcast space and. seeing them just bring out their app in the last couple of weeks, things like that, that have always, and books, which have always been on my radar that I've never kind of put a date in the diary and going, I'm going to release a book yeah. on that day. So yeah, I, I, I would shadow them. Yeah. Have you, have you ever been to any of their live shows? I did. I did. After the podcast show, I booked in um, to Hackney Empire and I went to see um, Dan Carter, All Blacks Rugby number 10 oh, okay so i'm a huge rugby fan anyway so it was an easy yeah. one for me to do and um his original episode was really good really really good i, I yeah i i thoroughly enjoyed that i remember because he talked a lot about mental health and in fact mm-hmm. i think that was where i'm sure jake or damien will listen to this and correct me but i feel like that was where the episode sorry where the series changed from being high performance having that kind of the mental health in he was a, i think he was one of the first ones to really go no mate it's not all roses right being a professional sports person mm. his he book's really good his family Dan carter's it? book's really good and and i saw what they did there um so they interviewed dan carter um everybody got a signed copy of the book as he came in to to the gig so, oh, wow so you just thought it's a win-win for dan carter why wouldn't he come over mm and give his book so so i'm assuming high performance podcast bought a thousand copies of that book at cost price for example um got him to sign them all massive publicity around that a thousand people are going to go home and talk about his book yeah um so i i assume that was possibly the business model for that but i think what the biggest takeaway i had from that was that you know we were doing live events with my podcast back in 2018 I think maybe even 2017 and um and when I saw this live I was just like it's literally three three chairs on stage and a table with three glasses of water yeah and a screen and that was it and the only difference is we used to have a hundred people 
the biggest one we had was 250, 300 people. And I had Ted Baker found a Ray Kelvin twice. Um, but the only difference was there was 10 extra people there. And you're like, well, okay, yeah. it's like anything. You just grow and scale that with, you know, more marketing, more spend, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So that, that was like a real massive takeaway going, okay, it's really that simple. It's literally just three people talking on a stage. Yeah. I went to see, so before they did the one with guests, they did a, they did a few, a small tour with just Jake and Damien. And they were in Bristol, which is about, I don't know, 40 minutes down the road from me. Yeah. And I was meant to be going, then I didn't go. And then the day came around and I, I, I unexpectedly could go. And I just tried my luck to see if there's any tickets left. And it was one seat in the front row, bang in the middle. No way. <laughs> I've got a photo. I'll send you the photo after. And I said to my wife, oh, I'm going to go. And she's like, yeah, yeah, go for it. And I just, I, I just, it lit something in me seeing them do that. Mm. And I just thought, oh, you know what? They're just, these guys are going to kill it. This was about, I don't know, it must be about three years ago. That's cool. But it was cool. Yeah. I could, I, I think you're right. I think seeing behind the scenes of how these guys do it and have gone from being, I mean, you could argue as much as you like about the celebrity status and, and the foot up that they have. As yeah, a, true. But there are plenty of celebrities who've tried podcasts who've done bugger all. So to go from that level of there, yes, they may have had a foot up to that point, but then to take it to that point, it's a different ball game. And I think, yeah, I agree with you. I'd love to sort of see just the process. It'd be, it'd be really inspiring, I think. I'd say what was interesting as well was uh, a talk I attended with uh, at the show there, and it was Holly Tucker, who I've had speak at a live event for me. She's not on the high street. Founder. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it was, uh, God, I've forgotten his name. Jamie Lang's right-hand man. Um, Spencer. Spencer. Spencer Matthews. Yeah. So it was those clean, two. Clean alcohol company. Yes, that's right. That's mm -hmm. right. Um, and they were talking on stage. And what was interesting was that she was saying that her podcast will always be audio, will never be video. And it's an intimate conversation between two people. Whereas Spencer, as you'd expect, coming from Made in Chelsea in a very visual yeah. background with a big Instagram following, etc., was saying, no, I'm a complete opposite. We're all in on <laughs> YouTube, TikTok, and this is why. But he was really he was really articulate. And then his wife was on stage. Um, Vogue. Yeah, chatting about her podcast. And that was equally really interesting because, again, they'd just done a live tour. Um so yeah, it, it was you know it's really good I think just taking that time out, immersing yourself, um, getting new ideas, coming back refreshed and and hungry for for the next stage. Do you know what? I've ne I've never been to a podcast or any kind of trade show like that. I'm, I'm assuming then with the way you talk about how enthusiastically you talk about it, you'd recommend it. Hundred percent. And last year was year one, and. Um, it was all right. Um, year two, completely different. Um, and I think this first year I spent time just going around all the stands, whereas year two, I spent more time actually listening to my contemporaries, I guess, people yeah. who are podcasters. And I would recommend yeah, anyone who's a podcaster to go, and I'm not being paid by them. <laughs> um, and I spoke at it year one. So I think... I had other things on my mind as well. You know, you, you just focused on delivering yeah. your, your content and I was helping other podcasters there with loads of questions and stuff. So this year I just went as a complete, you know, voyeur and just soaked it all in. And um, and I went for both days. It was a two-day thing up in Islington at the Design Centre there in Angel. Yeah. And, um, yeah, thoroughly recommend it. You should definitely go, Chris. You should definitely go. I will do. Wait, do you happen to know when the next one is? It'll be May, yeah. May, okay. May. Yeah. I will see you there. See definitely. you there. Yeah, let's catch up. Alex, if someone came up to you and said, I want to start a podcast, which I'm sure actually probably in your position, you get asked this question quite regularly. What would you say to them? I would say to them, if you want to, if you want to start a podcast, then, then try by starting a podcast. 
You know, don't yeah. be dissuaded by people who are going to tell you that it's, a, it's an overly saturated market because it doesn't, because it isn't. Only 17% of the podcasts that you will find on Spotify or Apple, and there's four or five million, depending on which one you look at, only 17% mm. of those are actually creating new content at any one time, and that's at least monthly. So it's nowhere near as saturated as any anybody thinks. If you want to do it, go and make it happen. You know, what's that first step to do that? Um, don't let there be barriers to entry. There are really low barriers to entry. As I said earlier, you can literally record. There's apps on your phone that you record. You could buy a little clip on lav mic for, for less than a tenner on Amazon. You could record yeah. a conversation on Zoom with somebody. Um, but look, first of all, figure out, you know, what you're, you're passionate about, where you've got some degree of, of expertise and where those two things meet, that could be something that you could podcast about. You know, brainstorm those ideas because you want to be launching a podcast with something that you want to be talking about in three years, five years' time. Yeah. You know, all those people who started podcasts during the pandemic talking about COVID, they couldn't have lasted very long. Surely there's not people listening to those podcasts now because I wouldn't want to listen to any of that crap. I wouldn't have thought so, no. Jesus. Um, so, yeah, I, I would say, you know, don't be dissuaded. Go for it. And you might figure out that it is your thing, that you're as passionate yeah. about it as you and I. And it might not be. And both of those are fine. But if you don't try, you'll never know. And we don't want to live a life full of regrets. So go ahead, make it happen. And for me, it's, it's start now, get perfect later. You know, 80-20 rule. If you've got 80% of the stuff that you need to start a podcast ready to go, go. Don't be a perfectionist about it because yeah. you will never launch a podcast. You will never start the new job. You'll never start the new hobby, whatever it is. <clears throat> Do you know what? I'm going to make an admission now. I think I'm a huge podcast fan, obviously. But I was starting to question whether it was getting a bit saturated and whether or not there were too many out there and whether or not there wasn't enough time. And what I mean by that is, like obviously, this is what we at just over an hour now. You're not competing with the Bartlett's and the Rogan's and the Jake Humphreys as well. You're also competing with people's time. Mm. And it's not a quick TikTok video. It's asking people to commit an hour, hour and a half, two hours, whatever it might be. And I was starting to question the saturation and actually oh is it too much now mm. and then i don't know if you saw it but gary lineker put out a tweet very recently like less than a week ago where he, he's just started a new podcast yeah and his tweet said something along the lines of oh really happy week one hundred thousand downloads and it immediately snapped me out of it mm. now yes gary lineker has an audience but that's not the point the point is that where I thought it was starting to get a little bit, um, what's the word, condensed or, or, or busy, somehow they found 100,000 downloads. Absolutely. Which means it's not oversaturated. It's not, it's competitive, of course it is, but it's not, there is still huge potential out there. Yeah, massive, massively is. And again, it's that thing, isn't it? If, if enough people tell you that it's saturated, you start, you start believing it. Mm. Um, but that shouldn't dissuade you. You should, you know, and, and new content, originality, no matter whether it's a, a book, a film, a podcast, is is going to attract an audience. And I think you've just got to yeah. be true to yourself and you've got to be in it for the, for the long game. Agreed, agreed. Okay, last question for you. If we spoke again in 12 months and you came back to me and said, you know what, Chris, it's been a really, really good year for me, what would have happened? Oh, wow. Um, yeah, that's a big question. But I would say um, that my podcast, Screw It, Just Do It, has become my number one priority. In, in its okay. basis terms, that, that would be that because it would have been successful in my metrics. And, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a numbers person. I, could, I put numbers on things. So I would say, you know, if you broke it down, it'd be okay. So I want a hundred thousand subscribers on, on YouTube. I want 10 million views, you know, all those kinds of things. But ultimately in its simplest terms, I think if it's been a successful year, my podcast is my number one priority. Everything else has led to that point. So all of the numbers would have been ticked. Do you know what I mean? I, do you know, Alex, I could tell you're a good interviewer because 
every time I think of a, you start a sentence and, I, and it preempts a question in my head. And then the next <laughs> sentence, you've answered that question before I've even asked it. <laughs> and that shows that you're a, you're a good interviewer, a good podcaster, because you're obviously thinking, this is what the viewer, listener wants to hear. What the, yeah, Appreciate it. Appreciate it, man. Okay. Alex, if anyone wants to check you out, come say hi. Where would be the best place for me to link to in the show notes for you? So my podcast, would love for people to check that out. Screw it, just do it. Otherwise, I'm at Alex Chisnell um, on every form of social media. Okay. Go listen to Alex's stuff. It is good, and I think you will not regret it. And I've got no doubt that in the next 12 months, you will be hitting those goals. Alex, thank you so much for joining me. Pleasure. I say this a lot to all my guests, as regular listeners will know. You never know what you're going to get. Like You and I have not spoken before. I've heard some of your stuff, admittedly, but we've not spoken. And you never really know what you're going to get from someone. And it's fair to say that this call or this um, episode has just absolutely blown my mind. And you've really got my mind racing with things I should be thinking about. So Amazing. Love it. If that's just for me, I'm sure it is for others as well. So thank you so much for your time. Much appreciated. Thank you for having me. Um, Really, really grateful. And um, thank you to everybody who's uh, listened or watched this as well. That was 10Q Interview with Alex Chisnell. If you made it to the end, thank you. I hope you enjoyed it. I'm assuming you did since you're still here. Wasn't it a great one? I I, Honestly, it blew my mind. I wasn't just saying that to Alex at the end. It was so insightful. And it's, I don't want to say it's rare, but it's 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 definitely a good thing when people who are good at what they do share it with people like me who are not quite there yet. So I'm, I've got no doubt you did enjoy it. I've got no doubt you found it very, very valuable. Feel free to share any thoughts on any of the social channels at 10Q Interview everywhere. That's all from me for now. Make sure you've subscribed wherever you're listening to this and the next 10Q Interview episode will be live in your feed very, very soon. Take care of yourselves. Bye.